Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test? Have you done a sincere examination of your beliefs and lifestyle so that you may know that you truly have eternal life? Have you tested yourself and found that Jesus Christ truly is living in you? Let's open our Bible now that we might learn how to examine ourselves and see if our confession of faith is more than just intellectual assent to the existence of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Sunday morning here in Texas. It's uh, it's actually still morning. It's 1156. Uh, Stephen and I agree on the time at the beginning of the teaching, so we keep it right at uh, right at 30 minutes. So, all right, well, we're continuing in this this uh, these teachings, this these essential teachings. These have got to be the most the most important teachings we've ever done. Okay, um, this topic, I believe, is the single most important topic of any topic in the scriptures, and that is how do I know that I'm really saved? How do I know that I'm a, a true Christian? How do I know that, that, that I don't have false assurance? How do I know that I think I'm saved? I think I'm going to go to heaven when I die, but, but I'm deceived. I'm not truly saved. So how do I know that I truly have eternal life? It, it comes off of First uh, John 5, 13, where the Apostle John writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And the book of 1 John will go on throughout the whole book to, to walk us through what are appropriate evidences that can give us assurance that we truly are saved as opposed to just thinking we're saved, that our belief is genuine as opposed to just uh, intellectual assent um, to Jesus Christ. So we're going to continue in that today. The first two teachings dealt with what we call orthodoxy or proper belief, correct beliefs. In order to be saved, we, we have to believe correctly what the Bible teaches about the primary doctrines of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And in the first two teachings, and you can listen to them both, I would encourage you to listen to all these teachings, although you know we're, we're doing this so each teaching can stand on its own, so that when you come away from this, you'll be able to adequately examine yourself and test yourself to see, am I a true Christian or do I only think that I'm a Christian and I'm not saved? I do not have spiritual life. I do not have eternal life. God the Father is not my heavenly Father. And from that place, you would obviously humble yourself, acknowledging your hopeless, helpless, desperate state. Humble yourself before Jesus and ask him to be the Lord of your life. You would put your full faith and confidence in Jesus alone. You would exercise John 1.12 that says, Yet to all who received him, Jesus to those who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God, right? So again, that happens by understanding our need of Christ, 
understanding that we are in a hopeless, helpless, desperate state, that without Jesus, we are still under the wrath of God and only eternal hell awaits. We talked about what we need to be saved from. We need to be saved. We need to be rescued from hell, from an eternity in hell separated from the triune God, separated from God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. So, um, so again, I would encourage you to listen to both of the first uh, two teachings because they deal with what are the proper and correct beliefs that someone must maintain to be saved and to have any assurance of their salvation. Again, the purpose of each of these teachings is so that you can know that you're truly saved and know it by 2 Corinthians 13.5, okay? 2 Corinthians 13.5, again, is the cornerstone verse of really all of these teachings along with 1 John 5.13, but particularly the, these next couple of teachings, okay? 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So let that verse sink in, okay? Examine yourself to see if you are a true Christian, to see if you are truly saved. Test yourself, Paul says. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? And if we fail the test, Jesus Christ is not in us. That's what he just said. And if Jesus is not living in you, then you're not a Christian. Okay, you're not saved. You're not born again. You do not have eternal life or spiritual life. You're still dead in your sin. You're still under the power and influence of the devil. God the Father is not your heavenly father. And without Jesus Christ, you will go to hell for all eternity. So this is why we're doing these things. We're doing these things out of a, a tremendous love and all the discussions that went into what are going to be our first topical teachings you know, we talked about it and determined that, of course, there's no, nothing more important than this. <clears throat> I would rather, you know, someone's, someone that, that, that knows that, that, that they don't believe the doctrines of the scripture, that, that, that knows that, that they don't have a heart for Jesus, that they don't love Jesus, that there's really nothing in their life where they're trying to please Jesus or live for him or obey him. It would be better for someone simply to say, no. I really don't believe that. I'm not a Christian, okay? Because we can work with that, okay? The point of these teachings is that we would know where we stand regarding our salvation based completely on what the scriptures say. Um, again, uh, my wife and I have known people over the years. Uh, my daughter, Kristen, is one of them who, who, was, who was raised a Christian but came to realize she was not a real Christian. And again, there's hope for someone in that place. The most scary place to be is, as we've talked about in the first two teachings, and again, it's a theme in all of them, is Matthew 7, 21 to, to, to 23. Okay? It's the scariest verses in the Bible. Um, it's the most concerning verses in the Bible. Jesus speaking, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Verse 23, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, 
you evildoers. These people thought they were saved. That day is the day of judgment when they stand before Jesus. And, and they find out that although they thought they were Christians, they were never truly saved. They were never one with Jesus. The, Jesus was never living in them. They were never part of the body of Christ or the, the bride of Christ. They were never one in spirit with Jesus. They were never saved. You notice he says, I never knew you. It's absolutely not an issue of losing your salvation. Okay, Someone who, who claims that they were a Christian their whole life or that they've been a Christian and now say that they don't believe, it's not that they lost their salvation, they were never saved, okay? The profundity, the immensity, really what happens when you receive spiritual life, when you come into spiritual life, when you're truly saved, when, when you are born again spiritually, the change that happens to you is greater than the change that will happen when you leave this life and you go to heaven. So, golly, Father, I just thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives, Father. We thank you for your love. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whom is the only way, the truth, and the life. As you said, Lord Jesus, no one comes to the Father without you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came into this world on our behalf that you lived a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live, that you died a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today. And we worship you, our risen Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that understand, and help each one of us to truly examine ourselves, to test ourselves, to know that, that we are truly Christians, that we are really saved. And Lord, I ask you to convict us and draw all those who find that they're not sure to genuine saving faith in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We commit this time into your hands, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. So now uh, these next two teachings could be three. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's two, but it could be three. Um, we're going to deal with people who, who claim to have the correct beliefs. The first two teachings, you've listened to them and you've been able to say, as, as Stephen said outside the recording door, amen. Everything that I've said, you acknowledge and you firmly believe. You agree with all the scripture says about salvation, the, the primary doctrines of salvation found in the Bible. You agree with them wholeheartedly. So your beliefs are in order. If you don't believe what the Bible says about any of the primary doctrines, primary meaning it's essential you believe these things in order for you to be saved. If you don't believe them, then you're not saved. And I'll say again, it would be better to say, I don't believe that. And then to go back to the beginning and say, I, if, you know, I want to believe, Lord Jesus, I ask you to help me to believe and just to go over, right, and have someone help you who knows how to do this. Listening to these teachings over and over again, going over the scriptures and asking Jesus, Lord Jesus, help my unbelief. Just like the father told the son, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, right? Um, and so thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. All right. So again, now we're going to talk about the manifestations or the lifestyle of the individual that's claiming to have the, all the proper beliefs 
of someone who is genuinely saved. So you pass the test of the first two teachings. You do have orthodoxy. You do have proper belief of the essential Christian doctrines of salvation that would affirm that, that everyone who's genuine in those beliefs is truly saved. They're a real Christian. Jesus Christ is living in them. God the Father is their heavenly Father. They've been forgiven of their sins in Jesus Christ, delivered from the wrath of God, rescued from eternal hell, and they're going to heaven when they die. Bam, right? Let that sink in. Wow, thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so if you can pass those tests on the proper beliefs, okay, that's the first thing you have in order. From there, now we're going we're gonna to discuss what is the evidence based on your lifestyle, based on how you live your day-to-day -day life that, that, that shows that what you're claiming is real, that, that, that your belief in Jesus is not just an intellectual assent or an acknowledgement to what the scriptures say, but your belief is a genuine trust, a reliance, a confidence in Jesus alone, that you're clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, deliverance from the wrath of God and eternal hell, and to bring you to heaven when you die. When the Bible says in, in Acts, you know, what is it, 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Okay. When it says that, it doesn't mean uh, to give intellectual assent or to just simply acknowledge intellectually that, that Jesus existed. Okay. When it says believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, it, it means to believe all that the Bible says about Jesus, all that the Bible says about why you need to be saved and what you need to be saved from. It means to believe that, that, that there is a God and you are accountable to him. It means to believe that you are a sinful person and that you need a savior. It means to believe that God became a man in Jesus Christ to save you, to live that perfect life on your behalf you couldn't live, to die that torturous death on your behalf that you should have died. It means to believe that he's been raised from the dead, and it means to, to have your full trust in him, to believe in him, to believe not that he exists, but to believe that he has done it, that he can do it, that you're trusting in him, you're relying in Jesus, you have your full faith and confidence in Jesus, you're clinging to Jesus alone. For your, for your salvation, for the forgiveness of your sins and eternal life, right? But there, if that's true, if that's true, if your belief is genuine, then you have eternal life, you have spiritual life, and Jesus Christ is living in you. Colossians 1.27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, so again, Jesus Christ lives in you. We read it in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Colossians 1, 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, so if you are a genuine Christian, then Jesus Christ is, in fact, living in you by his Holy Spirit. Okay, your spirit is married to the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has given you life, spiritual life, eternal life. You, had, you were dead spiritually, but when Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, came and joined himself to your spirit, 
it, it, he gave your spirit life. When you were, when you became one with Jesus in spirit, when you were married to Jesus, you became part of the bride of Christ and the body of Christ. An explosion of spiritual life happened. The lights came on and Jesus is actually living inside you. You're one with him in spirit. You're connected with him. Again, you're married to him spiritually, part of the bride of Christ, part of the body of Christ. You're connected not only with Jesus, but every other genuine believer. So Paul says to test yourself to see if Jesus is living in you, really. Well, well how do you do that? Okay, how do we test ourselves? And again, that's what we're going to talk about here for the rest of this teaching and, and at least the next teaching. Okay, how do I test myself to see if I'm truly saved? How to examine myself? What is the evidence that I'm truly saved? Evidence that I'm a true Christian, not based on my belief, because in the last teachings, we already established your belief, but based on your lifestyle. How do you live every day? Okay, if you're a genuine Christian, Jesus Christ is living in you, okay? And there ought to be, here's the first evidence that you're a real Christian, that you're truly saved, is that there's a desire for Jesus in you. Not of God, okay? You should recognize a desire for Jesus. Now, again, this is important. We're talking about evidence so that you can know that you're truly saved, okay? We are all in different points based on our Christian maturity. When we first get saved, we're baby Christians. We're, we're just babies. We're immature. As, as spiritual beings, we're newborn spiritual babies. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, you know, we, Peter tells us to grow up, that we may mature by the pure, pure milk of the word of God. But as babies, it's, it's not going to be the same as someone who's been walking with Jesus for 25 years and given their life to Jesus. And even then, we're not perfect, right? Even then, we're still, we're still sinful, okay? Um, but there ought to be a pattern of growth in your life, okay? A pattern of growth of thinking about Jesus, Okay, of being concerned about Jesus, not just God. For many people, you know, they receive Jesus as Savior and they never talk about him from there. Okay. And again, they could still be saved if they genuinely did receive Christ, but but in evidence of someone that's that's certainly and truly saved is that they're consistently speaking about Jesus. They have a desire to know Jesus, not just God. We have a triune God, one being, three separate distinct individual persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. In Jesus, if you're truly saved, you have relationship with each person of the Trinity. Remember, one being, three distinct individual persons. You have relationship not with what something is, what he is is God. Your relationship is with who he is and who he is is the person of God the Father, the person of God the Son Jesus, and the person of God the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so that's that's you know that's how relationship flows. It's personal. It has to be with a with a person, just like we have relationships with other persons in this life, we have relationship with each person of the Trinity in Jesus Christ. So, so again, we're going to go over a lot of questions you can ask yourself, but do you see a pattern of maturity in your life of growing to desire Jesus more, growing to talk about Jesus more, 
growing to love Jesus more, growing to want to be more like Jesus, okay? Ask yourself that question. If you would say, nope, really got, really got no interest in Jesus at all, not talking about Jesus, but I'm a Christian, okay. Now, again, there's no condemnation in this, but that, that, that's a point that would say, okay, um, if I have no interest in Jesus whatsoever, no interest in loving him, no interest in being like him, no care to obey him, that, that, is, an, that, that is an evidence that you don't really have genuine faith, that you're not really saved, okay? Because someone who's really saved has Jesus living in them, as the scriptures have made very, very plain. And when you, when, you, when you begin to test yourself and examine yourself, as Paul commanded us to do so that we know we're really saved, someone with Jesus living in them, Jesus living in you is going to, 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 to drive you to want to know him, to want to be like him. Now, again, when you examine yourself, can you see a faint desire? Can you say, yes, I do see some desire. It's not what I want it to be. Even if you could say that, that's a good sign, right? That you do want to know Jesus better. You do want to walk with him more. The important aspects of this examination is that you're candid, that you're forthright with yourself, that you're straight up, right? That you're frank, that you're completely honest when you examine yourself, okay? Remember, when I was preparing for this, I saw that some of the most recent and in-depth studies have found that only 5 to 8% of people who claim to be Christians, people who claim to be saved, who claim Jesus as their Lord and Savior and believe they're going to heaven, only 5 to 8% could pass an examination, a test based on their beliefs and their lifestyle to show that they are genuine and true Christians. Again, that's a very scary fact. And you don't want to find yourself there. We don't want anyone. I don't want anyone to be in that position. That's why we're teaching this series, right? Of how do I know that I'm really saved? Because based on studies, 92 to 95% of all people who actually claim to be Christian, this isn't talking about people who say, no, I don't believe. These are people who claim to be Christians, cannot properly pass an examination that would give us proper assurance, give them proper assurance that they're real Christians. It's unthinkable. So again, what we're starting with today is, can you recognize a heart for Jesus? And again, in the rest of this teaching, for the next 10 minutes, and the, and the, and the upcoming teachings, you know, we're gonna discuss more and more manifestations. Now again, if you can see a, a, a pattern of maturity in your life, a pattern where you are starting to think about Jesus more and more, pattern where you're starting to love him, uh, more and more, a pattern where you're desiring relationship with him more, a pattern where the name Jesus is on your lips more and more, and not only his name, but your your lifestyle is more and more wanting to be like him, that is a tremendous evidence that you are a genuine Christian. All right, look at John 14, and I'm going to start reading in verse 12. I tell you the truth, Jesus speaking, I tell you the truth, Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. So again, let that sink in. Jesus, if you truly have faith in Jesus, you will, you will try at some level to be like him. You will try at some level to follow his example. Okay. John 14, 12, Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth. 
anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. So one evidence that you you are really a Christian, that you're really saved, is that you'll you'll want to to follow after Jesus. You'll want to model your life at some level after Jesus. You'll have a concern and a thought at some level. Now, again, if you're truly saved, you could be a baby Christian, which means, you know, yeah, you you would say, I definitely see it, but no, it's not enough. It's not every day. It's not the focus of my life. So again, perhaps you're a baby Christian and Jesus is calling you to grow up in him more and more and more and more. The more you do this, the more you will have an assurance that you really are saved, right? Um, But all we're looking for right now is evidence that could say that, yes, I do see that. Jesus goes on to say he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. By greater, he means in quantity, uh, you know, that Jesus only walked the earth for three and a half years. No one could do greater things than Jesus in quality, right? Jesus raised the dead. I mean, he fed 20,000 people. So obviously it's not talking about the quality of what he did, but in quantity, right? You know, not only Jesus, but all of us as a church has done billions of things, right? Um, Jesus only, his ministry was only uh, three and a half years and he only lived 33 and a half years, right? Verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. Verse 14, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Verse 15, John 14, if you love me, you will obey what I command. So again, we're gonna unpack these things. Um, We're gonna talk more about, do you have a private prayer life? John 14, 14, you may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Do you have a habit of talking to Jesus, of talking to Jesus, of talking to Jesus, okay? again. A mark of a less mature Christian, okay, is that they keep saying God, 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 okay? A mark of a maturing Christian is that Jesus is on their heart and mind more. They're consistently praying and talking about Jesus, certainly praying to your heavenly Father, praying to Jesus, praying to Holy Spirit, always and only in Jesus and through Jesus, knowing that that we can only pray to any member of the Trinity They're all God, right? One being um, only in and through Jesus. But Jesus says here, you can ask him personally. You can pray directly to Jesus. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. He goes, going to go on to say, you can ask the father for anything in my name and he will do it. Okay. And certainly you can ask the Holy Spirit. You can pray to any member of the Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, Jesus, and God, the Holy Spirit. And you should, you should praise him. You should thank him. You can pray to each member of the Trinity, to each person of the Trinity, but it's always in and through Jesus. Do you have a a, a prayer life? And again, we're going to get into some scriptures on this next time, but do you have a prayer life that reflects a a desire to Jesus, a, a private prayer life that's consistently going to Jesus, going to your heavenly father, going to the Holy Spirit throughout each day, right? Look at John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Again, an, uh, an essential mark of someone who's genuinely saved is that you can see some pattern of obedience in your life, that you can see, you know, some pattern that that you do have a desire to obey the scriptures, to obey Jesus. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Again, someone who's genuinely saved has some form of a love for Jesus. Now, again, the more you mature, 
<clears throat> the more that love will grow. Remember, you're not saved by anything you do. You're not saved by your love for Jesus. Your love for Jesus is an expression that shows you are genuinely saved. You're saved by receiving him, by understanding his love for you and humbly receiving him, knowing your hopeless, helpless, and desperate state without it, right? Look at John 14, 23 and 24. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. So again, a mark of a genuine Christian is that there's some evidence you're trying to obey the teaching of Jesus. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Okay, so again, if you're a genuine Christian, you're laboring to try to, you know, at some level, okay, obey the teaching of Jesus. And, you know, you have relationship and intimacy and, and the father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are at home with you. They, they want to have fellowship and intimacy with you. Look at verse 24. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So again, if one way to say that, you know, I cannot be certain that I'm saved is not only do I not recognize any desire to love Jesus or to please him or to obey him or to think about him or or that, that I'm really, I don't, I don't really see any attraction or excitement about Jesus, but I also have no desire to obey the teaching of Jesus, the teaching of the scriptures. Again, this is a sign that you very well may not be saved. And again, if you're in that position, you want to go back to the foot of the cross. Okay. We're going to, we're going to end here. But again, if you're at a point right now where you would say, golly, man, I'm not sure. What do I do? Well, you know, Jesus says, repent and believe the good news. Okay. So if you're not a, if, if you're not sure you're a Christian, to repent means it actually means the word metanoia means to change your mind, to change the way you're thinking. Okay. If you're not sure you're a genuine Christian, you want to change your thinking about whatever it is, anything you're believing that's not consistent with the word of God. You want to humble yourself before Jesus. And receive him anew and afresh as your Lord and Savior. Simply, again, Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not our words that save us. It's not the this action. But it's, 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 it's our, our heart that's driving us to call out to Jesus, right? We use our words to express what's in our heart. So if you're not sure today, if you would say, golly, I'm not sure that I'm a Christian, just humble yourself now and receive him. John 1, 12, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Simply go before Jesus and say, Jesus, I repent. Lord, I'm sorry for the foolishness of what I've believed that's not consistent, but I do believe that I'm a sinful person. And Lord Jesus, I know that I am hopeless, helpless, and desperate without you, Lord. I believe, Lord, that without you only hell awaits. But I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe that you came into this world and lived a perfect, righteous life on my behalf that I could never live. I believe you died a torturous death on my behalf and in my place that I should have died. And Lord Jesus, I believe you're alive and risen today. And therefore I call out to you now to save me, Lord. I ask you to save me, Lord. I ask you and I humble myself before you and ask you to come and live in my heart. I want you to live in me. I want Jesus Christ to be in me. And I ask you to be my Lord and savior. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Receive him anew and afresh if you're not sure. And again, I would go back and listen to the first two teachings, and then we're going to continue, and at least the next teaching, it could be two more, again, on evidence of a lifestyle that can give you assurance that, that you have eternal life. That's what this is about, is having true assurance, right? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask you to open our hearts that all who hear this, Lord, would be convicted if they don't know you, they'd be encouraged if they do know you, Lord. We do want to know. We don't want anyone, Father, to come to this place. Lord, we don't want anyone to have to hear from you, Lord Jesus. Away from me, I never knew you. Have mercy, Father. Have mercy, Lord Jesus. Have mercy, Holy Spirit. Father, we commit this into your hands now. Holy Spirit, seal it to our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.